Hi there, I'm Mariah Parsons, your host of Retention Chronicles. E-commerce brands are starting to shift their strategy to focus on retention and the customer experience. And so we've decided to reach out to top DTC brands and dive deeper into their tactics and challenges. But here's the thing, we love going on tangents. And so with our guests, you'll often find us talking about the latest trends as well as any and all things in the Shopify ecosystem. So go ahead and start that workout or go on that walk and tune in as we chat with the leading minds in the space. Retention Chronicles is sponsored by Malomo, a shipment and order tracking platform improving the post-purchase experience. Be sure to subscribe and check out all of our other episodes at gomalomo.com. Hey everyone, if you've been listening to Retention Chronicles lately, you'll have heard about our tracking page design contest. It's open to any Shopify or Shopify Plus brand or agency. There's 1,200 in prizes up for grabs and you'll get complimentary access to the Maloma platform for entering. Submissions are due by midnight October 2nd, 2023, which is tonight if you're listening to this episode on Monday. So if you're interested, head to gomalomo.com to design your very own tracking page in minutes. Yes, I said minutes. It'll only take a few to upload your custom branded imagery and then two clicks to go live. But we also know that some of our listens don't listen to these episodes on Monday. So if you are falling into that bucket, we still have a awesome offer for any Shopify or Shopify Plus brands. If you'd like to see an example of what your brand's custom order tracking page, transactional email and SMS would look like, our team will design a custom mock-up for you for free. So you can head to Gomalomo, that's G-O-M-A-L-O-M-O.com, gomalomo.com. Now let's roll on with the show. So hello, everyone. Welcome back to Retention Chronicles. Super excited for our guest here today. Greg, welcome. Thank you for making the time to be here. Super excited to dive into CrossNet and Good Sport. If you wouldn't mind, could you give us an intro? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm Greg, co-founder of CrossNet and Good Sport now, um, both backyard innovative companies that are getting people outside and get out and go play. So we're trying to get people out in the world to get off their phones. I love it. I mean, <laughs> we're both sitting on laptops right now and I'd much rather be going and playing cross net or, um, good sport. So don't tell my boss, although she would probably join me in it. Um, can you give us like, in case anyone's not familiar with cross net or good sport, can you kind of break down both of those companies that you've now founded, um, yeah. alongside kind of the founding team, give us the Give us a structure of both of those, please. Yeah, absolutely. So CrossNet is a four-way volleyball game. Uh, we started it five years ago with my co-founder, Mike, and my brother, also the other co-founder, Chris. And uh, we just made it one night in my mom's backyard and uh, invited some friends over, and it was a blast. We ended up knowing we had to like pursue this because it was just a, so fun. Uh, we had people wanting to play it, lining up at the beaches when we had the prototypes, um, and eventually took it to market. Uh, it took about a year, and then... Uh, the rest was history. COVID happened. It blew up even more faster than we ever anticipated. And then uh, five years uh, later, we started another company called Good Sport with YouTuber Danny Duncan, um, good friend of us now, ours now. And uh, we're just coming out with innovative games uh, to get people outside, um, trying to make every game we make a little more creative and spicy and uh, not the generic, you know, 
wooden paddles you see at the Walmarts of the world. So we're trying to spice it up and, and just put some spin on it. Love it. So I was telling you this before we hopped on the recording, um, but I played CrossNet this past weekend for the first time, knew about it beforehand. Um, but when I was, I actually told my friends, I was like, oh my gosh, guys, I'm getting to talk to one of the um, co-founders this week, which was just, you know, timing simulation. It's all real. Um, but I was thinking about like, <laughs> if you're just playing in the backyard with your friend and your brother, um, what was like the dynamics of kind of getting it off the ground? Like, were you always that founding team? Were you all trying like all entrepreneurs at first or how was the, um, yeah. How was the journey kind of getting there or like going into business with your brother and your friend, right? Like figuring out all those dynamics. Um, usually when we have, I've had a couple of, um, sibling or a marital co-founders who come on the podcast. And it's always interesting to dive into like how you kind of bridge the family, but also the professional relationship. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And a lot of people always like, are like, oh, you shouldn't go to business with your friends or family. Uh, I don't think I would change it. I think we have a great dynamic. Mm -hmm. Myself, I started out like I had another uh, entrepreneur, uh, DDC companies. Um, I did social media stuff, had, had accounts that had millions of followers. Um, so that's where I really started at. Um, Mike was an engineer, graduated Northeastern, super smart guy. Um, he graduated. He's like, I don't want to like go build robots nine to five for the rest of my life. <laughs> right. Let's go make, let's make something. And then Chris, he's a killer salesman. He, he, uh, he launched Uber Eats in like Rhode Island, Boston area. Um, so he's been great at sales his whole life. Uh, so we just, all of us combined and, and, um, we eventually just rolled this out and we, we, we picked the way like each day we were just like, had a new task. Um, we'd all work on it together or we'd have our own assignments based on, you know, our departments, um, that have shifted over the years. Um, I started out doing the social media, then I, I'm doing contracts and legal stuff. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a learning process, but, uh, we've had, we have a great team and, uh, we continue to have that core team right now to this day. Okay. So you said you have that core team, obviously to this day, um, you've expanded your team a little bit. What is it? What's the number it's around? It's like relatively smaller, right? Yeah. So we actually expanded after we did really well in year three, we expanded to like 25 employees. Mm -hmm. And then that was probably the biggest mistake, uh, in our business. And that really just like took the focus away from me, Chris and Mike as founders in the weeds to like this managerial role. And that's not like what we're best at. Like mm -hmm. me, Mike, and Chris aren't the best managers. We can't. We're not like we don't want to do that. We want to work and and work and work on our business and our baby. Um, so we weren't able to do that ins and outs. We were trying to manage and and just a, a point task, and that's not how we got to where we were. And uh, we kind of lost lost focus of that. So we 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 toned it back. Um, unfortunately, we had to let some people go, but uh, it's been the, the best thing for our business. And now we're back down to like seven, eight employees. Okay, total. I love that you talk about like <laughs> obviously the lesson to be learned of expanding and then learning that the managerial tasks aren't what you all are best suited for. And I think that's something that. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the times, obviously everyone's striving for growth, right? Like, and usually what that corresponds to is growth in numbers, not necessarily growth in like learnings. Right. Um, so I always like, like to call that out. Cause I, I know we have some founders who listen to the podcast or some people who want to be entrepreneurs. Um, and I think it's very easy to follow maybe what you you think you're supposed to follow in that playbook of like, 
you you hire x amount employees and then it grows and grows and grows and then the leadership team is not in the weeds uh as much as you know the founding days so once you kind of learned that lesson and you shrunk the team is your day-to-day kind of now similar to what you were doing in the beginning i know you said social media and then you're now doing more legal things but I'm at, like CEO, you have to wear a lot of hats. Um, and I don't know, but I hear it from our CEO is that his day to day looks, looks very different just depending on what he's doing. Um, so would you say that's accurate of like now yeah. you're kind of similar it's, to the founding days? It's definitely shifted back to like our, our core roots of like working together and, and just cranking out tasks together as, as a team, the three of us, um, tasks have changed obviously from day one to day now uh, to now, five years later. Um, definitely still involved in the marketing sales, but we, we all, we all have our own tasks now that we kind of delegate. Um, and we've, we've been shifting roles over the past few years. If, if we lost an operations person, maybe Chris will bump up into the operations and help out. Um, if we lost the social media person, I'm going to bump up. So things like that is how we shift and, uh, we've done great at it. Awesome. Love it. Um, now a couple more questions that I just had to ask, um, cause like having someone in the game space, I feel like is so, so fun. One, do you feel like, okay, so if you're going to a party with friends, family, whoever, are you all like bringing CrossNet? Like, I just, I have to know this. <laughs> um, It's in the car. Okay. The car, and if people <laughs> want to play, yeah, we I keep the games in my car. Um, I hate always bringing them out. And it's like, I feel like I'm obligated to set it up. And like, uh-huh. times these people don't want to play that shit. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens. Um, I'm always like trying to be active and do something. So when I'm at a party or I'm going to the beach, I don't want to just sit there. Like, that's not me. I'm playing something. One of our games, a game playing sports. So it's always, it's always ready to go. I can always throw the idea. Okay. Okay. That's what I feel like you, if you're of that person, like I always, I feel like my friends and I have like either like, I don't know, something that we're like planning to do like a game night right like everyone has their dedicated games that they all own like it's not all of us don't have the same games right it's like okay we know this person has this game like um my friend joey brought the cross net for this past weekend right so like we all kind of have those assigned (laughs) responsibilities so i was curious if it if it blew over Um, truthfully we we don't even play cross net that much anymore um <laughs> that's the real that's a real question <laughs> we, we played it so much in the first three years like we used to go to the beach every day for like two years straight and set this game up and play like for hours just to mm-hmm. get people online so we've definitely played our fair share of it and we we play once in a while each each year um but we've definitely shifted since we have new games out with good sport like smash net is our is a new game um that i'm always stoked to play now i want to play that every day now i'm trying to get people to play um, and not bug them. So that's, that's the next uh, game. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's a, it's a fun balance of trying to like, like slyly suggest it and be like, Hey guys, did you want to yeah. play? Um, but there's obviously like the benefit of getting people talking about something and, um, getting like an experience. in if you're just lining up at the beach, right. Um, okay. And the last little fun question, and then we can dive into more of the, uh, technical side of things, but who, when you were in those early days, like who was there kind of one person of the three of you or, you know, your team that was kind of the best at CrossNet or was it oh, all me. even day me to day? Sure. Mike's Mike <laughs> got better over the years. Cause he learned some trick shots. Chris has always been ass. He's the worst. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. Oh my God. Okay. Um, so 
we can obviously keep, I'm going to, as they come, I'm going to keep asking questions that plays on that relationship there. Um, but because you started with social media and your focus in social media, um, I think that lends itself very well into how I would say like from a consumer, just someone in the space of you, like as a brand having thought leadership be at the front lines of crossnet like teaching other people in the ecom ecom space kind of what you all are doing um so was that kind of part of the want that you all had in the early days of like we want to be known for like telling about our journey um and being thought leaders or was it just something that came naturally yeah, that, that came naturally, actually. Um, I've always, I've been in this space for like 10 years now. Um, mm-hmm. Always was quiet behind the scenes. Um, I don't like posting. I don't like tweeting. I don't like doing any of that. Uh, and then eventually- <laughs> What about TikTok? I, Wait, thoughts. What about TikTok? <laughs> I tried TikTok for a week. Oh my God. It's like really hard, right? <laughs> yeah. Way harder so, than people let on. Yeah. So after the first two years across that, we started trying to do like this founders thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that's not like, we realized like, that's not for our brand. Like we don't, you don't need to get your founders, uh, you know, perspective in every company, especially if you didn't start the brand from that angle, it's hard to just throw the founders in like a 62 year old mom doesn't care about like the three kids right. from Connecticut that started this. They just want a backyard game for their kid. Um, some people do care. Some people love it. And, uh, but it's not for everyone. So we don't, we don't focus on that, especially if that's not our skill set. Um, we don't try to like force things. We did try to force things and it didn't work out. Um, but as Another far as lesson like, to be learned, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. As far as like being a thought leader in the actual space itself for people to learn, Chris has done a great job of that over the past two years, three years. I'm always pushing him. I'm like, yo, tweet, post, post, post. Like he can be- <laughs> You do post. it. You do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's been our voice for the last two, three years and it's been great. He's growing. Um, and I'm kind of trying to mirror what he's doing as well. Just not as much. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I love it. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I think it's also interesting that, I mean, for someone who sits in a marketing chair like myself currently, um, being like I, as a, as my own person, social media, right. Participate, but as a company, um, it's just a way different ball game, right? Like just trying to think through social media and like the algorithm, getting it right. And like being way more on top of it. It's just a whole different ball game. Um, so I think it's, I think it's interesting that you with your background in social media are more like Chris, you do that. (laughs) You, you take on that, um, at least to a stronger degree than maybe you're taking on at the moment. Yeah. And that's why we have our new company with Danny Duncan, famous YouTuber, um, to help, you know, push his face in front of the crowd and get his Mm -hmm. capture his audience, um, and kind of be that founder for us. Um, so we don't have to tell that story and we already have that story from the beginning. So it's worked out great. Yeah. And you said real quick, uh, that Danny was a friend as well. Obviously now, um, you have that professional relationship, but how did you all meet? Oh, we actually met from trying to pay him to do a cross net. Uh, love it. (laughs) And he was charged trying to charge us a lot of money. We're like, no, no shot. Like we can't afford that. Um, and then we just met one night and we're like, Hey, let's just make games together. And, uh, Mm. yeah. And we've been, um, working together ever since. And we have a bunch of stuff in the pipeline we're super stoked for. Okay. That's so fun. Love it. Um, okay. So now we can dive into perhaps more of the logistical, um, questions. Can you tell us about the development of CrossNet itself? I know you said you had it in your backyard. Um, but I'm always curious to hear, especially in the game space where I feel like there's 
you know, obviously like games, you make up, you make them up, right? Like you make up their own rules. There's not, a, at least from my perspective, not a ton of boundaries in terms of like the rules that you can make up as long as it makes sense. Right. And like, obviously it has to appeal to the audience. Um, so can you tell us about like how you kind of developed CrossNet, and if you want to go into good sport as well, what you all are doing currently with that, that'd be great. Yeah, I, I think um, so. As far as the development, like physically, we just we source it um, overseas. We wish we could do it in the United States, but it costs way too much. Um, Mike, he's an engineer. Um, he started off CrossNet just sample after sample after sample, spending a lot of money because they're heavy duty mm-hmm. um, changes every time that need to be made. Now we have a product developer full time um, who works on all our products. We, working on games that are coming out next Christmas. Um, so we have we have a pipeline of, of games. Every time we make a game, though, and we're trying to implement the rules, usually it's me making the rules. So I'm always getting <laughs> shit. Like, Greg, you're always changing the rules um, with mm-hmm. one time with friends and stuff. But it, we have to change the rules, like, especially in the beginning stages. Yeah. Uh, for, for for the CrossNet game, we it kind of took the four-square concept, rotating it. Um, you have the king square and the... So we call it one, two, three, four, because universal, um, not everyone knows what four square is and they don't call it by the king, uh, queen and all that. Like, like did, okay. We also had this debate with my friend group this weekend. Do you call it the toilet or the ace? Yeah. I've never heard of toilet. In my okay. Life. There you go. So like growing exactly. up, I'm from New Jersey originally. It was like king, queen, jack, toilet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I don't know what toilet is, but in like, and you go to like England, they call it like box ball and stuff and have different mm-hmm. terminologies. So we just did one, two, three, four. And that four square is that king square. So mm-hmm. we made it numbers based and we just did, uh, we played to 11, win by two, because that's how we always play pickup basketball. So that's how we came up with that number. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it's really it. And then, uh, little rules, like will will pop up as you play. Yeah. You, I love it. You write them down. You write them down and then you go yeah. through it. Keep arguing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. I feel like yeah. too, um, yeah, it's just as long as you give, would you agree with this? Like you give like baseline rules, right? And then obviously people can make them up as they go. Like my my friend group, I feel like we take a game and then start putting on new rules. Like we, <laughs> we'd been playing for probably like two hours at this point. Um, and so we were like making them new rules. Like whoever was the king gets to set, set a new rule. So it was like, you can only play with your left hand, things like that. Just like yeah. make it harder, right? Um, so as long as you like, you kind of want to leave that space open so everyone can make it their own or like, you know, create those inside jokes, create those inner rules, whatever. Yeah. Kind of like a free, a freestyle mode. Um, mm-hmm. yes. definitely that. And in the volleyball community, which one thing that always has pissed me off since we started, they always do three hits. Right. And that's mm-hmm. not our game. We do one hit. So whenever we used to see three hits, we were like, oh, can you just do one hit for the ad for the video? And the volleyball people are like, that's what we do. Bump set spike. And I'm like one hit. You're so, like, we got to get uh, like 15 second reels in. Come on. <laughs> we don't that's have been, time. That's been the yeah. 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 Okay. That's awesome. Um, And then, so was there any, like, I, I imagine you said like Mike was testing what the actual product was like and changing all those different things and you were changing the rules. So with, with like do's and don'ts of product development space, especially with something that's bigger, um, how did you all kind of like navigate what's worth it in terms of like this switch needs to be made like a nice to have versus um a need to have did you have like any of those internal conversations yeah yeah at first so a lot of learning lessons with this too at first we're like oh let's make it as cheap as possible Mm. but as good as possible on that cheap side so we cheaped out and uh we've had so many problems over the years we continue to have problems with like carabiners like the little clip the clips Mm. um the balls peeling if we switch a factory 
the poles getting rusty sometimes when they're not supposed to um, and factories just like saying it's fine and then not having proper testing. So there's a lot that goes into like the backyard toy game space that people have no idea. And it's so much more challenging than like making a, a card game or food or anything like that. That's just like constantly in a, on a easy repeat cycle, um, constantly getting de defects due to weight. Um, you get containers in from the port and, a whole pallet's crushed um because of the oh my weight. gosh really that, wow yeah, we've had it's terrible terrible incidents um yeah yeah i'm sure that's super fun to have to deal with or open up and you're like oh my god yeah but i mean going back to your question though like we've now we've always want to make the product as high quality as possible um still affordable and, and have the best margins possible but if it's like hey we'll pay we'll, we'll spend an extra 50 cents on a on a kit to make it way more high quality so we're not getting customer service um problems and bad feedback and we want the person has our game now to really enjoy it um and and, and vouch for it and tell their friends and play with their friends mm, okay yeah so that makes that makes a lot of sense in terms of i i feel like a lot of people would probably try and probably fit that same path where it's like let's see what we can make for like the trade-off of obviously wanting to keep it affordable, but also such a good, a good product that someone would vouch for it. Um, were there any other lessons in terms of like product development, like trying, I don't know, like marketing and like branding, um, for like the case, like the case and the box that it comes in, like any, any elements of the product design that are kind of more marketing focused? Yeah. Yeah. The box. So we got into Shields or that was our first retailer. It's a big mm -hmm. store out in the West in Utah and those States. Um, we got in store. We were so excited. Um, we took a video rolled up. Oh, I'm sure. Oh my gosh. That's so, so pumped. Yeah. We were so excited. But after we were excited for like 30 seconds, I'm like, guys, this is ass. This box sucks. Mm. And we are not going to be able to sell through this store unless we change those boxes. It was like the box was so bad. I don't even know how we signed off on that. But uh, then we then we changed it to a black box and we're like, okay, it's better. But like, we have a black box. That's not possible. Like we have to inverse this. So we made a nice yellow vibrant box. So when you walk into Dick's Sporting Goods, uh, Bass Pro Shop, you name it, um, big yellow box will be there. You'll know what that is from that branding. So hopefully um, the big yellow box stands out to people nowadays. Yeah. It captures the attention. I feel yeah. like more than probably, um, probably a black box would. Okay, cool. I think that's always so interesting, just especially me not being in the, anything to do with product development. It's it's fascinating to hear how people arrive at different decisions. Um, so the next question I have for you in terms of product development is we were just talking about like, obviously you want someone to have to, or someone to feel like they could vouch for your product because of the quality of it. Um, so when you're thinking through designing a game, are you thinking about customer retention in terms of like all the, how can you maximize someone coming back or someone, um, or even like customer loyalty, like, providing you know their their own stamp of approval on a product was that part of the conversation or is that kind of something that now maybe you all are thinking through yeah it's always been tough like retention for our company is just it's not there right mm -hmm. like you you have a cross net volleyball and then hopefully you can sell them a cross net soccer if their kid plays soccer and loves soccer most likely not hopefully mm -hmm. you can sell them a cross net h2o if they have a pool version if they have a pool and money for that and they have to fall in love with the original version enough to buy a pool version. So that retention right. is not really there. So our angle is definitely like, hey, let's have this customer sell for us. 
So we use, uh, you know, like, like social snowball, we were talking about before this, um, things like that, just to help our customers, you know, turn into, to sellers for us. Um, that's, that's our biggest thing as far as like retention. It's, it's, it's tough. I mean, the best we could do is just make new games, make new products. That's how we came out with a new company. Um, we've had ideas in the back of my head for years of a list of hundreds of hundreds of games that I want to make. Um, and that's going to all fall into good sport. So eventually we can get all the customers just to keep buying our games and we'll become one of the biggest backyard toys and games uh, maker in the world. Love it. Do you have a tangent? Do you have a, like a notes app that you like keep of like running game ideas? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I got, <laughs> got notes. I got notion boards. Um, got a, we have a long, long list and it's been fun trying to pick out what comes next. Mm. Um, especially when we all have different ideas of what we want to do. Like Danny's different than Chris and I'm different than Mike. So it's, um, we have to find like neutral ground of what, what's popular and what we think is going to come out next. Okay. Okay, cool. Just had to ask that real quick. Um, but let's, let's continue along the train of retention versus, um, like referral based strategy. Can you explain to people? I mean, I know we were also talking about social snowball, um, shout out Noah Tucker. He's great, but can you explain kind of um, what that relationship looks like in case someone isn't familiar with social snowball and explain how you, you all use it. Yeah. For like affiliate stuff, it's like, Hey, you get, you buy the cross net, you set it up, you love it. Right. You can go scan that QR code on the net, on the box, and then you can refer your friend, um, and get money back, get cash back rewards for that or gift cards. We do, um, as well, uh, for the customers, if they want to purchase another game, another set. Awesome. Um, thank you for that. Help helpful, I'm sure, to have context. Um, so with then, because that was one of my questions for you is like if you there's obviously a hope that the product lasts so long that they don't someone wouldn't have to buy another one, right? Like, unless yeah. it's like you said, a different version of the product or a different product entirely. Um, so one of my questions was like, how do you think about retention when you're looking at something that has a large, if not maybe indefinite uh, timeline or, uh, repeat purchase rate, right? Like there's a lot of time between someone would buy the original cross net set. And then maybe I saw like, also you guys have limited editions or like the water version or, um, like the doubles net, right? Like there's different add-ons that are from inspired by the original. Um, so I think it, it makes a lot of sense that you all maybe know that retention might not be the play that you all should be focusing on, but rather focusing on referrals or that word of mouth marketing, um, or, you know, kind of like the aspect of virality of someone just seeing something and then, you know, it, it getting bigger and bigger just because of, um, the organic motion behind there. Yeah. I mean, so I already touched on it with, with having new products, right. Make new products, new products, new products, but for CrossNet, there's only so many real product skews we can make um mm-hmm. we're staying in that four square lane we're not going to bounce out of that and just start making random frisbee games right um has to be in that four square square element and we are running out of products for that right like that's just the truth um mm-hmm. i can come up with a few tonight but they might not be as successful um so the next thing would do is like upsells what can we do to upsell the cross net volleyball that everyone loves um that's making a doubles net to make it two on two on two on two um, so you can have a partner. I'm not sure if you played that at the lake house last weekend, but um, it wasn't the doubles one. We were just rotating in. Yeah. With yeah. a group of us. Yep. You would, you would probably have more fun playing the doubles. Like, Oh, so I'm sure <laughs> way yeah. more chaos too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you have the bump set spike three hits. So that's what we try to do. 
um, is, is get the upsells, the, the innovation on top of the SKUs currently. Um, we want to come out with like lights, make it glow in the dark. Um, that's next in the oh, pipeline. Yeah. Um, for the pool version, we're coming out with a newer pool version to that's more like, I can't tell, actually, I can't speak on it yet, but, um, it's just easier. Cheaper. We'll come back later. We'll have you on again. And then we'll talk about yeah. that. <laughs> so just adding, adding upsells for each item, um, mm. it is the goal. And then obviously new products with the new company and then as many products as we can under the cross net umbrella as well. And then the referral game is like, we really just want, you know, you to go set it up at the beach with your friends and you get people taking photos, videos, asking what it is, asking them to play. That's how we started across that. That's how it blew up. Um, it's literally like a real snowball in real life and it just mm -hmm. keeps rolling as long as people are selling it for us and, and playing and having a good time. Yeah. I mean, like I, like I told you, but I want to share with the listeners, we had at least three or four people who were walking by when we were playing it this past weekend. Um, just ask us like, Hey, what's that called? Or like, what's that, what's that game? And we just said, it was like, Oh, it's like four square, but volleyball. Yeah. <laughs> and like some, an older couple was like, Oh my God, I remember like four square. Like you all know yeah. what it is. We're like, yeah, yeah, we know. Um, they're like, yeah, we used to play that on the playground. I was like, yeah, it's, it, it's still, it's still a fun game. Right. Um, a little bit shocked that perhaps a younger generation would still know what it is, but to your point of the accessibility of and ease, hopefully of referrals, um, being right there for someone if they if they want it and know about it and i know you mentioned the qr code on the box and on the game itself is that correct yeah it should be on the net so hopefully it's there okay <laughs> honestly yeah <laughs> now i'm gonna make my friend joey break it out and <laughs> i'll go scan it um so in addition to kind of like the packaging where are you advertising that referral program anywhere else along the customer journey or is it just kind of in the unboxing experience? Yeah, they'll get it in the emails on the, on the flows. I don't know which, where it's at in the flows, but it's there. Um, it'll be on the flows. We'll send emails out. Um, sometimes we'll do some social media stuff. Um, but we try to let the customer fall in love with the game first and then mm -hmm. want to sell for us and be that, be that consumer. I've no, I've been there for brands before. Um, and a lot of brands do do it way better than we ever could. So um, we, we try to fall down that, that alley. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, also I imagine then it's less of an uplift on your end as well. If someone obviously comes to you first with the intent of, Hey, I want to sell for you all. It's easier than trying to go out and find people and maybe yeah. convince them. Um, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Like we just come to realization with like, what's, what's the truth behind like our company, our brand, like we're not selling water bottles, right? Like we're mm -hmm. not CPG, like we're not in that space. So it's, it's tough. And we have, we know where we know like where we can cap this and we just got to keep penetrating the United States. Like we're still, ha we haven't scratched the surface yet. I don't think so. Um, we're excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's very exciting. Um, let's dive into that a little bit more about like what the, like the truth behind the brand. Cause one of the things obviously I love to speak about is kind of like the marketing plays and the branding, like the messaging that you're trying to leave in the customer journey. Um, cause it's all just fascinating. So if you had to say like, how would you articulate or how would you share the message that you all are hoping to leave consumers with when they're interacting with either of your brands? Yeah. I think it's just get out and play, like mm -hmm. get out. And play. Uh, these phones that we're on every day is just killer. Yeah. Killer. <laughs> um, we're like the last generation of having, um, knowing the world before these phones. So mm -hmm. I think about that all the time and it's like, our kids and kids, kids are going to be growing up with this technology 24 seven. And I hope we can leave an impression that uh, lasts for hundreds of years that we have to still go out and play and be kids again and stay active and sweat and work out um, whatever you're doing, just get out and play. 
Yeah. Okay. It's funny you bring that up. I was just listening to, um, it's not a e-commerce one, but it's my favorite podcast armchair expert. And they were talking about how our generation is nostalgic for the past. And like before we kind of had cell phones and cause we're the last, like you said, we're the last people that remember it. Um, so it's just ironic that you said that. Cause I was just listening to them talk about that. Um, I think maybe on Sunday, but so I love that branding. Um, I think like myself personally, I'm like, I love being off my phone this whole weekend was off my phone. Um, like if I'm traveling, doing the same thing off my phone as much as I can. Um, so with, with the branding and the collab, um, or not even collab, but the inspiration to collab with Danny and tap into the influencer space. Do you feel like there's kind of potential for like us reverting? It's more of a philosophical question, but like us reverting and like not depending on our cell phones or is it just like full steam ahead in your eyes? What do you think? <laughs> no, I think we're doomed. We're absolutely doomed. <laughs> okay. um, there's no, I don't think people are like, they're too addicted to it. It's an addiction mm-hmm. and uh, we're, we're definitely doomed, but I hope we can play a part in it where, you know, at least a percentage, a small percentage is, is going, playing one of our games, whether it's our game or not, like getting outside. Like I say that all the time. It's like our competitors games are like, yeah, we don't like them. Sure. But like they help us, we help them. If someone's playing that game, someone's going to play our game Mm. Um, and vice versa. So yeah, yeah. We're definitely doomed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Love that. Um, Well, we can end there. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, Okay. So for, I love that you brought up like competitors and we're not going to discuss them, but the notion of like competitors obviously making you better or just like setting the space for creating new games. And one of the, um, I mean, it's a different space because it's not a backyard game. It's a card game, but like cards against humanity, having it be like a household name, kind of like, I want to say first in the space. I don't know if that's actually true, but to me kind of the first card game of that nature that I was introduced to. And now it's, they have like a whole slew of, um, competitors and like their own versions of different games. Right. Um, and obviously it's similar to other ones to like apples to apples, all that stuff. Right. Um, but how are you thinking about like when you're going to market a game? Cause in similar to cards against humanity, I would say CrossNet probably falls in that same category, right. Where it's like, that is the first brand that I saw that is doing what you all are doing. I don't know if that's correct. If you all were the first, so you can feel free to correct me. No, we, we weren't. Yeah, we weren't. So we, I don't think CrossNet would come into being in existence right now without CanJam. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. CanJam. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's so also a game I've played with my friends last yeah, year. <laughs> so there, there's CanJam, there's Spikeball, and there's CrossNet. Like those mm-hmm. are the three big, right, big ones right now. Yeah. Um, I'll have the black and yellow vibe. Um, and, and I think those are the core core games, right? Um, mm-hmm. that, that started this trend. And I think we've done a great job. And then CrossNet's that one game that came out during like this COVID era. Yeah, where people were stuck inside playing all these games, and uh, you, you've seen a, a huge wave of different innovative games coming out now since since CrossNet's existence, I believe. Um, I, I'm not sure if I'm just seeing them more because I'm in the space and I get hit with the ads, but there are so many different backyard games that you know hopefully are going to last, and and some aren't going to last just because they're just not. You know, they just can't the nature keep up. of yeah, the yeah. way we live. Yep. <laughs> but there's been a, a ton of uh, innovation in the, in the backyard space, which is cool to see. Um, and uh, they help. We like I said, we, they all help each other. Um, whether it's a, a a putting game for for golf or a volleyball game. Okay. Yeah, I have seen. I think also. I mean, as much as to try and be on TikTok and like producing content on there is is tough. Like I said earlier in the episode, it is 
the I feel like the stuff that I'm exposed to is the breadth of it is way bigger because of that app. Um, and so I do see like some like putt putt mini golf like at home, right? I forget the name of it. Um, but those those games that it's bringing, you know, a game you love into your backyard. So I I think that makes makes sense for me um, in terms of backyard games and spike ball and um, cam jam and cross net. I feel like it. <laughs> I don't know if those came out similar timing of cross night or like before but i in my mind they are all associated yeah. um they're actually pretty old like like spike balls 15 years can jams like 20 plus that is uh, so funny wow it's crazy yeah it's it's literally crazy how old we are <laughs> yeah that and like how unpredictable it is when like people are going to interact and then kind of see it as like now i know i could call up multiple friends who have all those games right and like like i said yeah earlier in the episode they're the ones that okay you're like you're assigned to bring this game you're bringing that game blah 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 yeah. right um and then so last kind of marketing question that i wanted to ask you is because obviously you have good sport with um danny mike and your brother so what other like what i guess my question is what's like some fun marketing initiatives that stand out in your brain in terms of like okay love that this happened for your brands like love that we got to participate in this um, you can kind of take this, this question wherever you want. Like if it's a fun story about, you know, kind of the virality wherever, but it's a question I love to ask. Yeah. I, th- I think the collab, like besides like getting in wholesale and being in these big stores, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But the collabs we've been able to do over the last few years and what we have in the pipeline for good sport, especially with Danny's connections. Um, like we partner with like USA volleyball. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done some, that's like, that's like for people that don't know, it's like the NBA of volleyball. So it's really cool. Um, to be able to do that. Yeah, it's I'm, awesome. Yeah, I'm not a volleyball fan at all. Like I've never played volleyball growing up, anything like that. So um it was cool. It was cool to be able to get those relationships, Canada volleyball. And then for um good sport over here, we have a bunch of collabs that I can't uh, name right now, but um everyone will know. But they're they coming. <laughs> they're coming and uh I'm excited, I'm stoked for those. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. Um yeah, okay, cool. So last question that I want to ask you. Um, and it's more about the customer journey. Could you kind of like walk us through the ideal customer journey? Like what kind of communications they're getting? Malomo obviously is in the post-purchase space. So that's what we care about, but, um, or that's what we prioritize first. But I always think it's so interesting when I'm talking to founders like yourself to kind of paint the picture of like the ideal scenario of the communications that someone is getting pre and post-purchase. Yeah. So I guess uh, pre-purchase, they're getting hit with ads, right? On, on usually meta. Um, mm-hmm. And then- Good old meta. Yep. <laughs> hopefully they check out, right? And then after that, they'll get a thank you email. Then they will get a your orders on the way. And then they will start getting hit with the social snowballs of the world and that kind of stuff. And then some post-purchase surveys of asking how you saw it, where you got it from. Um, did you buy it in store maybe? Uh, or did you see it in store? Uh, which is important to us. Uh, mm-hmm. We have so many different channels now. Um, and then once they get it, we want them to fall in love with it. Um, go back to our website, refer a friend, buy another product. Um, yeah. That, that's really the journey. We just want them to fall in love with their games. And so they know what they're talking about every time someone asks and they can give an honest, good review. Yeah. 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 I don't think it's, I, I would hopefully say it's not like rocket science, right? Like the the journey you kind of want it to yeah. um fall along those lines. I think it's interesting, like the way 
to hear the way brands tweak it, like with the, with social snowball and um, like the cross sales and upsells that you can include obviously in the customer experience before um, someone even gets their product. Right. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know if you all have like cross sales and upsells in your yeah, we do. communication. Yeah. Okay. yeah. We have those two. And then we have the SMS that goes out for what they're tracking and stuff. Um, we've been using like, like shop app too, as well. A lot of people have been mm. purchasing that and actually that's been giving us some errors, but um if once it's once it's working, it's pretty nice, and you know, they get updates to their phones and smooth. Yeah, yeah. How are you? Because, like in my in my brain, like connecting data between retail and ecom is like a monster. Yeah, uh. it's, it's not it's not fun, and that's not that has been our like our weakest point over the last few years. Um, we're just not experts in that, and there's not too many people that are in this space um, mm. because we have we have Amazon too, which is a whole different beast. Mm. So we have Amazon.com, different countries, uh, wholesale in different countries. <laughs> so it's it's hard. We're not we're not tracking it um, as efficiently. We've we've done the North Beams, the Triple Whales, uh, but it's 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 very hard. It's very yeah. hard to do, and I don't have I don't have an answer for you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. I I love it. I think that's like the most relatable part of this podcast is when people are like, honestly, I don't know. We're still figuring it out, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think it gives a lot of hope to people you who can- are like also in that seat <laughs> yeah yeah we've done billboards we've gauged traffic and stuff um we know if we turn on meta ads that the in-store sales are going to increase um, mm-hmm. by 10 percent. right we, we do know those that data but every time we spend a dollar on facebook it's going to d2c amazon or or retail and that's very very hard to uh, track for sure yeah yeah also just yeah ads um we just had a guest on who was talking about like trying to scale ads, just scale meta ads or, um, well, meta and Facebook ads and the game that that all is as well is not, not a fun one to play just with AB testing and figuring out all that with the added element of where, like where the CTA is going and trying to track all of that. Um, but it's good that you at least know, right. It's working like that's, that's the bare minimum. Right. Um, cause I think that in itself is hard to figure out. Yeah, backyard games took a dip last year, like year over year, and then now they're they're increasing, which is it's good to see. Uh, mm. We're doing a retail our retail performance is like twenty percent better year over year, and our ad spends down like seventy five percent. Oh wow, which is okay. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we're just awesome. trying to get more efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just trying to get more efficient over here and and be smart on what we spend. Before we were just trying to throw darts at the wall for a lot of things, but find what works, scale it, and uh, and make it efficient. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of <laughs> at the danger of saying that like sometimes that's what you have to do for marketing. It's just like throwing everything out there and seeing what works and tracking it. Um, Cause it could be a puzzle that you have to kind of unravel just by seeing whatever um, works. You take those pieces and make it better. Um, I had another question. Shoot. It was about um, something about Amazon or something. But it's okay. If I remember it, I remember it. Um, I always like to try and wrap up these episodes with a classic piece of advice for anyone who's listening. Um, it can be about just life in general or super specific down to a business. But is there anything we haven't gotten to, dis- to discuss today that you'd like to impart on our listeners? Hmm. Um, pay yourself when you can. Mm. Your business. Don't try to like say, oh, I'm going to save money for when I sell the, the books look better. That's yeah. not the case. Like an, an, an investor will know um, that 
they have to pay someone to do the job. Um, so definitely pay yourself. And then once you get that money, be smart with it. Um, I've done some stupid shit over the last two years, uh, investing in friends, uh, mm. buying crypto. Um, so all so the fun be, things. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I was thinking of something yesterday in the shower, shower thoughts. I was like, damn, I shouldn't have invested in like three of my friends, uh, when they haven't, <laughs> they haven't proved anything yet. So, right. Um, so I think that's some advice. Don't, uh, once, once you get some money, don't like start giving it out to your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get like, eager with it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's Love my it. Side advice that's not to do with crossing or anything like that. Yeah. Should I send those friends directly? <laughs> Just that I'll little snippet. <laughs> I'll tell them to their face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, we haven't heard that yet on the podcast, and I think that's great advice. Um, yeah. so thank you so much for your time, Greg. It's been absolutely amazing. I've had a blast getting to chat with you and excited to see all the future games that you all are gonna roll out. Um, I think it's gonna be a blast. So thank you again. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.